0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast, a Philly sports-centric podcast from SB Nation. I am your co-host, Paul Hudrick, the editor-in-chief of Liberty Ballers. And I am joined by, uh, from Philly Voice and everywhere else, I would say, uh, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how are you feeling, buddy? Doing well, man. Uh, this
0: Tuesday afternoon, very rainy day in Philadelphia. I had to wake up early. My day off today from Philly Voice. We're down to get my hair cut. Pouring, pouring, raining. Had to try out the new rain jacket that I got for the oh. fall to keep in my bag for Eagles practice one day like this that. summer, my first kind of time getting in the nitty and gritty of covering the team for them in the media. And it was raining. I was like, man, I really should have a packable rain jacket in my, in my bag. And now I do look at me.
1: I love it. No. And that's, you, you find these things out as you cover a team more and more, these little things that, you know, you'll need and these little nuances to the coverage. Uh, I remember when I was first starting out and doing things, I was following around Jess Camerato a lot, who was yeah, awesome by the way. Her. Um, and I remember her thing was always like, if there is food to be had, just have it, even if you're not hungry, because there's going to come a point where you're going to be hungry and there's going to be no food. I and I that. have really just subscribed to that so hard over the years. If there is food, you just eat. Um, I might have and-
0: subscribed too much to it. <laughs>
1: yeah, fair. In, enough. Yeah, you In, in and outside of
0: sports arenas.
1: Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so speaking of Eagles, it's football season. I can't believe it. We're here. We made it. Uh, It is September 6th. The Eagles open on September 11th, this Sunday against the Detroit Lions. This is exciting times, man. Um, a, a lot of hype around the Eagles, as we all know, which I think you and I both agree is both exciting and terrifying because right. whenever, whenever there is so much hype, it just really sets us up for this immediate feeling of dread and, and perhaps doom. But uh, as we sit here right now, Kind of where, where are you with the Eagles? Like, what, like a temperature check. Where are you a, as we enter week one? All in. Not, maybe not the most Love surprising it. take. My fandom's
0: shifted. We talked about this to being like a media member there sure. rather than just being a nitwit, watching the games or going to the games with my family and friends. But the, the roster around this team, and when I talk about roster, and usually when you hear, oh, this team has one of the best rosters in the NFL, that's usually QB independent, right? And someone says, this seems like a loaded roster. And I think that's true for the Eagles. Biggest question mark is obviously the most important position in the entire sport, maybe in all of sports, in Jalen Hurts. But I have some faith in him. And we've seen in the past, sometimes if you have the most talented quarterback there is, if the intangibles aren't there, we've seen that over the last half dozen years in Philadelphia, things go awry. But sometimes if you have a guy that can work well in high-leverage situations, is beloved by his teammates, feels like they can come up clutch when it's needed to, those things kind of work the margins and work themselves out over the long term. So I have faith in Hertz. The, you talk about a little bit the receiving core there is the best ever for the Eagles. Perhaps we did a little talk before the podcast. My first inclination was did Mike quick and Harold Carmichael really overlap. and looks it up. Mike quick's rookie year is 1982. That's Harold Carmichael's second last year in Philadelphia. He's 33. So not really. So in 82, Mike Quick has 10 catches, 156 yards, and one touchdown. That seems pretty normal for a receiver in that era as a rookie. And Howard Carmichael had 35 catches, 544 touchdowns. Next year, Harold's last in Philadelphia, obviously not the player he once was. Obviously, he's in the Hall of Fame now. Harold has 38 catches, 515 yards, three touchdowns, age 34, seven. Age 34 season. Okay. Mike Quick, 69 yards, a league-leading, 1,409 receiving yards, third. 13 touchdowns, age 24. There you go. First team all pro. So I wouldn't really count that because they're both not, they're on different wavelengths. Right. Carl's coming down, Mike's coming up. Who's the other best receivers the Eagles have? T.O. You're going to say T.O. and Todd Pinkston. I think Todd (laughs) Pinkston, historically, in retrospect, he's someone that I killed as a kid. Uh, As a modern vertical slaughter field stretcher, I think he's fine now. And I looked up, yeah, I think he had like seven or eight catches for. 84 yards in the Super Bowl in 2004. So in retrospect, I caught him a little bit more slack than the way I used to talk about him. there. I still think he had some alligator arms. Well, there He's is a
1: famous play. one, the the Lost in the lights one. No, no one will ever forget that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I it, it's like you said, it's, it's hard to pinpoint even when this, when the Eagles have had a true number one, they're, they haven't had a number two. Like you said, T.O., um, even back like my like Irving Fryer in those days, like they didn't really have a number two. It was Irving Fryer and Ricky Wooders were the offense. That was it. And they had Rodney, Pete, and Ty Detmer quarterback, which I wish to never remember those days ever again. You have Deshaun and, Sean then, and I, Macklin. Yeah. But I think I think that's yeah. not the same. A.J. Brown
0: can be a top 10 receiver in the NFL, and I think Deshaun is one of the most explosive, exciting players in the history of the NFL, I'm not just talking about the Eagles but in the entire NFL. Yeah. He was such a unique player in the sense that no one can, like who's the best five receivers in the league. No one's really reeling off to Sean because no matter how good he was and uh, the way he could just completely contort a defense and the way I would say he's akin to the way Steph Curry could change a defensive alignment in basketball because of that gravity has a three-point shooter. It's just a little bit different than when you're thinking of these guys who are complete, complete receivers. Yeah, and I think like Jeremy Mac- Macklin was okay. I think he was yeah. pretty good, not great. But I think if you want to compare one A and one B, AJ Brown is a more complete receiver than yes. Sean Jackson. And I think Devonte Smith is going to be a lot better than Jeremy Macklin. I know like, no shade to Macklin, but I think he's just that good.
1: Right, and I think the point there you're making, I think it's, and I think it's a right one is Deshaun was never really a true number one because of those limitations, because he was, he was like you said, or, you know, you could make the argument, the greatest deep threat to ever play football, yep. but limited in other ways. And a Macklin was, I, I I'd say he was very good. I think he had a chance to be even better. If he could have stayed healthy, just he yeah. had so many injuries and so much stuff catch up to him. But um, I think he was a very good number two in this case. They're on most teams. If you throw Devontae Smith or AJ Brown on them, he's probably he's, they're they're one or two, right? They're like they are the best or second best receiver on the team, and they're both have like wide receiver one potential. So, and they're both here for the long haul. AJ Brown just signed a contract, Devontae Smith is in his rookie deal, so they're they're going to be here for a while. Um, so I think all of that, it, it, the excitement level of that, and I like we talked before the pod, they're receiver wise, there has never been more excitement. Um, since T. O. to to get a receiver in here um, like an AJ Brown, and I'm trying to think of like what was an acquisition that happened since to that was bigger than AJ Brown or kind of like or at, at least in this kind of moment where you know that to signing was okay like we're on the cusp but this makes us a Super Bowl team. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, of an acquisition that had occurred since then, and I can't think of one where I'm like. Yeah, this er, and even the ones that maybe were like we didn't think of him as that at the time, right? Like when, when this when the Eagles signed Malcolm Jenkins, I think everyone was like, Oh, that's solid. You know what I mean? Like no yeah. one thought everyone wanted
0: product. everyone wanted Jarius Bird when going to New Orleans to replace Malcolm Jenkins. And yes, two, again, two careers that went in completely opposite directions after that free agency period.
1: Right. And and I I I think everyone thought, like, okay, like solid, like he's a solid player, this should work yeah. out, but he Kind of, I mean, in my eyes, I think he became a franchise icon. He wins a Super Bowl here. And I don't think any yeah. of us kind of saw it going that way. So even when they signed him, the fair fair, the fanfare was kind of light. Um, Even a guy like a Connor Barwin who who came in here like he had, you know, I think it was an all pro season that he had the one year. Here he again. had
0: 14 and a half sacks yeah. in 2014,
1: I think. And so even his like, I don't I don't remember it being like it was like, yeah, that's a solid move. Like, I can't think of a move like this A.J. Brown move that happened, like uh, the way it happened on draft night and really pretty out of left field, right? Like none of us, there wasn't really, I think there were whispers that A.J. Brown was not happy in in Tennessee and not happy with the contract, but I don't remember the Eagles being linked to him in any way. not at all. um, all. Or the Eagles really being linked to receivers in any way. Um, Even like when the Debo Samuel stuff was out, I don't remember. People thought maybe
0: D.K., because he was, there was some right, drama there in Seattle. That. Post Russ, right. I will throw one acquisition out there. It's on kind of a different spectrum here. Eagles, 2017. After about six or seven weeks, it became clear that this team had clear championship aspirations and were good enough to get there. Obviously, Nick Foles isn't there yet to save the day. Carson is still looking like on this on this rise to an MVP season in his sophomore year. But the J. J. trade then again hmm. not analogous to the T. O. move. Not analogous to the A.J. Brown move, but this the city was starting to really, really buzz about the birds and the way they kind of had in, since that T.O. season. You could just feel the energy in the city, and there was a special element for this team. Certain things started happening, certain plays going certain ways that never, ever, ever go that way in Philadelphia, and it's one of those things that these little things added up, and those small parts became – you know all the aspects of what goes into a winning team, a championship team. You know that every team is lucky in a way. Everyone says, "Oh, that was a fluky season." Every team has to have these insane bouts of luck to reach the promised land. But then the Jay Ajay trade happens, and the Eagles seem we get running back a little bit. They have LeGarrette Blount, uh, have Darren Sproles gets injured, and Ajay had such a huge year in 2016 that I think everyone was just like, oh, my God, they're actually going out and trading draft capital for a running back. That's how, you know, they believe they're special. And we got this huge bruising guy to add to this dynamic passing offense. I remember I was, a, I guess, a super duper senior in college, had to do my last semester, and I was in some English class. I think it was called Rewriting American Classics. It was like English 354 or something insane like that. Anyway, I get the notification that the JGI trade happens. And this is a class of maybe 12 or 15 people, one of those like very small English classes. Just grabbed the bag and just walked out. So before I was even out of the building, I was on the phone call with someone talking about the deal. I mean, that's what it was like for me yeah, because of how that season felt. So that's one thing that sticks out in my mind. But in terms of a off-season acquisition, the player's pure talent, I think AJ and Decaf are the closest we've ever gotten to T.O. since T.O.'s left the league, too. So yeah. I think that's part of it to me.
1: Well now I'm thinking about it too. There was one big one and it ended horribly. Rodri? <laughs> nah, De Asma, of course. Oh yeah. Oh, the dream God, team. Yeah. See, that's a good one. The dream one. team. I think So we overlook
0: stuff. it we overlook it because of how things went up and, yes. and smoked smoke there, right?
1: I think it's well, I don't know. I guess it's not healthy because I guess we we both maybe sort of repressed it. So maybe that's why we forgot it. We, I remember we being, never really faced I, it.
0: It's one of those flashball memories for me. Like I remember exactly where I was when I when it happened. So it does. It's ingrained in me, and this is a little over eleven years later. But that's very true.
1: And they got they got well because not only was it that I remember. I don't know if it was the same day or just the same time, but the Phillies also traded for Hunter Pence around that time. Yeah. So they Phillies a- traded for Hunter Pence, which ended horribly. <laughs> the Eagles, I guess, not horribly, but it didn't end great uh the eagles signed awesome i feel like there might have been one other big move like maybe the flyers made some kind of move around that time i, don't, I can't think but um yes. yeah i just so remember I'm, that i'm gonna i'm gonna
0: roll them off right now so go I, I thought it was a little weird that the signing i remember the signing happening in july but now i'm realizing that was when the cba changed in the nfl and there yes. was a brief lockout so this non no signing right? came on july 31st 2011 and typically, July thirty-first is the deadline day, right? And the MLB to have there. So let me look at Baseball Reference here. We're pulling it up. Hunter Pence here traded from the Astros, and the date is July 29th. There you go. Twenty-eleven. So that's a three-day span. And let me go on Hockey Reference. This is right exciting here. times. This is this is an insane period. Yeah. And we go on hockey reference, and I'm going to look up. Because that was right around year. the time
1: the Flyers went to the Cup, or I guess that guess was the year after the previous they went to the year. Cup? Yeah. yeah. And, oh, shit, was that the Brizgalov trade?
0: <laughs> no, this was June 23rd, 2011, was okay. the trade when they made the two trades in the same day to send Mike Richards and Jeff ah. Carter to two different spots. And it brings back uh, Braden Shen and Wayne Simmons, and then uh, Couturier and the other
1: deal for Jeff Carter. So that was a big one there. That ultimately so this, led to Brizgalov, though, right? Isn't that what they signed? Then they signed Brizgalov, I think. Uh, after that, no, I have to look up. I have to see see when he was signed. I think that I think that's the case. If that's yeah. wow, if that's it, think about how much that sucks. They signed Asimov, It Was a disaster. The Phillies traded for Pence. It didn't work out. I mean, they you know they won a franchise record of games. Yeah, this. that
0: was uh, but, June that year. June
1: seventh was the Brizgalov. And then the Flyers signed Brizgalov. Good lord, it's there was so much hope. And then people wonder why Philadelphia sports fans are negative and why we have this sense of existential dread all the time. Just that's a perfect time to point to. I can't blame anyone (laughs) for feeling any way about Philadelphia sports. (laughs) I will never, like if you're
0: just angry about it and it's ingrained in you you know what we've had some unbelievable moments in this city in terms of what it's like to watch sports. And those ones hopefully remember forever, but just as much you're going to remember the entirely shitty ones that I guess made that road to the championship to that glory. We've only seen it in my lifetime or our lifetime two times with respectively the Phillies and the and the Eagles in twenty seventeen. Yeah. But no,
1: for sure. I it definitely it it does make those moments sweeter. When when you're when you go from the the, the shitty moments to the great moments, it definitely makes them that much sweeter. And I was just curious, and that was also the year that the Sixers um uh, beat the bulls in the first round and then played the Celtics and lost in seven games. So that's, that was, yeah, that upcoming season times. was
0: that. Yeah. That was that upcoming season.
1: Fun, fun times. And then not so, that
0: long after that, they traded for Andrew
1: Bynum. So
0: did you go to the constitution center for that presser? I did not. I, I did. Not. It, it was, I, I was, I just graduated high school I was going into my freshman year of college. Absolutely electric. I want to see if I have any pictures still on my phone. Obviously amazing. I had a way different phone then. Yeah, I'm gonna pull it up and see if we could figure anything out.
1: I remember being uh, incredibly excited, and I loved it. I loved Andre Iguodala. I know he got same. He got a lot of shit here, but I always liked Iguodala. I it, it wasn't. It was just expectations on him were just not right. I mean, he was meant to be a Swiss Army knife type of player, and they were counting on him to like be a star. They didn't have that star, so I mean, if they had like a scorer. That he could have played with, then that might, like, if he could have actually gotten to play with Allen Iverson in his prime, that would have been a really nice partnership, but they did not. Um, yeah, I don't have anything from it. Maybe it's all... for the best.
0: <laughs> it's probably for the best.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, that's, again, it's things, you know, you don't want to think about, but it, that's just wild that that all happened within, like, within like a year, right? Like, yeah. The the Phillies getting the Phillies trading for Pence, the, the dream team, and not the Osama, the Flyers getting Brisgolov and trading Richardson Carter. And then not that long after that, the Sixers trading for Andrew Bynum. Wild. That is wild. All four teams at the same time. Swan the way. And... <laughs> Just explain. It's, it's a Joker origin story, for sure. Um, uh, but getting back to the Eagles real quick, when we're talking about the NFC East, and um, well, I guess first let's talk about, because the Ringer had an interesting uh, piece, ranking uh, every quarterback in the NFL. Uh, well, not every quarterback in the NFL. Just I think it was how many of them was 32 quarterbacks. So I guess every starter. Um, and uh Jalen Hurts comes in at 21. Uh you've seen the list. I know there were a few we talked about before the pod that we were kind of a little bit head scratching on. Um, do you think 21 is fair? And where on this list do you perhaps see that eh, maybe Jalen Hurts, you could argue is, is ahead of one or two of these guys?
0: Immediately above him, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Oh, come on.
1: 19,
0: <laughs> Marcus Mariota. I think we talked on last pod, I'm still like a Mariota stand from that weird chip Oregon <laughs> energy era where everyone wanted to trade off for Mariota, do the deal, all of that. But that's outrageous. I did a ranking on Philly Voice earlier in the offseason, uh, Philly Voice quarterback rankings, and I think I had Hertz around 15, 16.
1: Yeah, that seems more fair because, like, I, I I'm with you. Like, um, I would certainly have him above Baker Mayfield, and I don't hate. Like, I'm not one of those people who, like can't stand Baker Mayfield, but like, I I I fail to see what he does better than Jalen Hurts at this point in their respective careers. Um, say like Mariota, like like Mariota is only a, a starter because Matt Ryan's not with the Falcons anymore, right? Like, he's not like he he was a ba- He's been a backup. Um, what has he done at the NFL level as a starting quarterback? Um, you know what I mean? Like, Jalen Hurts led the Eagles to the playoffs last year, and then I'm looking at some like Mac Jones. Okay, yeah, you, we can debate that. That's close. Jameis Winston. I mean, <sighs> I don't know. I, the Jameis thing a, is weird. There's yeah, this weird like the Saints, right? We're gonna talk about this. <laughs> yeah, it's almost
0: you know where we talk about hipster basketball, Twitter, and their teams and players <laughs> that people latch on to, and I think it, it's downplayed a little bit in the NFL because it's just a different fan of different writer base, but. You know NFL Twitter, football Twitter has these, you know, fancies for certain players, and Jameis Winston has always been one of them. and It strikes me really odd. I guess, oh, he's funny. He makes these kind of incredulous statements or acts goofy. You know, first of all, uh, ignoring whatever happened to him in his college career and in his yeah. time off the field in in in, uh, in Florida State, so that's a different thing there too. And also if the guy's throwing 30 interceptions in season, it's all fun and goofy and it's fun to joke about, but then you can't be projecting the saints <laughs> to win the <laughs> NFC South over Tom Brady and the Buccaneers.
1: Didn't I say, yeah, yeah the
0: Jameis look, because... I'm recording a Nods and end zones BGN radio episode after this. And the topic is going to be that the saints are fraudulent.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. And like, I'm not like a hater type of person. Like I don't necessarily hate Jameis Winston as a football player, but yeah, man, like, and it even says like he's labeled and listen, I don't want to, um, I don't want to bash. Um, it was uh Stephen uh, Ruiz who wrote it. And I don't want to bash the guy. Cause he this is obviously really comprehensive. Sure. He did a lot of research. There's a lot of really good stuff in here. He but... probably
0: watched a lot of Jameis film, which uh, God bless there. Yeah, a lot of Carson a, Wentz film, a lot of Baker he Mayfield. He labels film. him
1: a, a joke, and there's there's some like fun stuff in there, some lighthearted stuff. And he labels him a disaster artist. Then how do you have him as a 17th ranked quarterback in the entire league? And the other guy, I would say, would be questionable to me too as well. Is the guy that AJ Brown just got traded away from Ryan Tannehill? Am I positive that Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts? Because I'm not. Like I'm not positive of that. Um. So yeah, I, I think you're probably. I'm probably more in line with you. I mean, and and I'm. And to be clear, you're probably more confident in Jalen Hurts than I am. I'm I'm still on the fence. Um, yeah. But six, uh, 16, 17 seems much more fair than 21 to me. And, and I think the one thing that gives me, that does give me some confidence is, and you kind of touched on earlier, is like Jalen Hurts is, he's a coach's dream. He's a fan's dream. Like he is perfect yeah. in all those ways. Like no one's going to outwork the guy. He's got a tremendous attitude, he is a great leader. Clearly the guys like these guys love playing for him. A.J. Brown, like wanted to be traded here partly, you know, partly because he wanted a lot of money, but partly because he wanted to play with Jalen Hurts. Like uh, there, there, like there is something to be said for a quarterback that people want to play for and people want to rally around. So I think all of those things he's got going for them. Plus, I mean, and the one thing that, that, that is pointed out in the article is his progression from, you know, being a freshman at Alabama where he's the starting quarterback and then, you know, going to Oklahoma going through all that to his first couple of years in the NFL, the guy has progressed a lot. Like he really has. And I think, you know, I, I guess I'll put it like this. I'm not sure if I want to bet on him, but I definitely don't want to bet against him because I think he's got a chance um, to be very good, if not better, but I, I still need to see it. I still need him to prove it a little bit.
0: I don't think he needs to be that much better than his 2021 version for the team to take another jump in the playoff That's hierarchy, fair. I think if he's similar to last year, maybe just as good, I think they can still be make a jump from a nine-win team to a ten or eleven-win team. If anything, we would see just incremental improvement. I'm not someone who thinks that improvement is always going to be on this this straight and narrow path going up and up and you know incrementally. And sometimes it can go up and down, all those things. And maybe Jalen Hurts isn't too, too far away from what his ceiling truly is as a player already, even though he's young, he's entering his age 24 season, I believe. If he just takes a couple of steps over as a passer, throws over the middle of the field, which he did excellently in training camp. I was there, you know, Jalen Hurts watched 2022. That was my mm-hmm. article every day carving the Eagles in training camp. Threw over the middle more with a lot of success. And I think that pairing with A.J. Brown there is going to be dynamic you know, racking up that yak yards after the catch. And I think Dallas got it from the thrive there too. And he's been willing to throw to his left more, two things that he just absolutely did not do at his first year as a full-time NFL starter in 2021. So he's just a little bit more accurate, moves around the field a little bit more in terms of where he's throwing the ball, not just running the ball. And this defense plays up to the potential. Jonathan Gannon maximizes all of this talent they have there. Then you just plop in AJ Brown. I really think 11 and 12 wins is a realistic barometer this season. And my prediction, I, I've written it on a couple different publications, edited it somewhere else. I think they are going to win the NFCs, and I think they're going to make the NFC Championship game and lose to Tampa once again. is okay. my prediction, 12 and 5.
1: I like it. I like it. My, I have I've seen.
0: I, I, thought, I thought I was just too optimistic and too much of uh, <laughs> so ingrained in the Philadelphia culture, and you're covering the team every day. It's, that's the team you, you know most about inherently. Sure. But I've seen people making them – uh chris sims from mbc sports had them as the number one seed in the nfc and then sam munson from pro football focus i saw today they had them in the super bowl against the bills and i was like okay like if i'm not even on go. the top <laughs> not like 0.1 of the the spectrum in terms of who's drinking the eagles kool-aid or gatorade more right. than anyone i feel a little bit better about myself
1: yeah I'm, I'm not far off from, I mean, I would, I think 11 wins 11 and seven. And I think, or uh, 11 and six. And I think still weird with it. Still weird with the I numbers. Know, I it's can't still do weird I'm, with the numbers math, man. There I was told there'd be no math. Um, 11 and six, I think is, is realistic. And I think that wins them the NFC East. Um, and actually I want to talk to you a little bit more about the NFC East, but we're going to take a quick break more on the thirsty dogs drink faster podcast after this. All right, we are back, and we are talking Eagles. We're going to talk a little bit more Phillies um, as well. Pretty disappointing weekend that was for the week that was, quite frankly, for them, and touch on some Sixer stuff as well. But first, James, I want to talk to you about the NFC East. So one um, prominent signing, I guess we'll call it prominent. Um, he was a prominent player at one point. Uh, Jason Peters, Eagles legend. We got We got to say that. Eagles legend, Jason Peters, at 40 years old, Signs to the Dallas Cowboys practice squad. Um, I, I guess the jokes kind of write themselves here. Uh, it, it, do we do a false start joke? Um, I, I don't know. Um, but to me, with them not having Tyron Smith, and I don't know, um, the stat. I know, uh, Brandon Lee Gouton had a really good stat about the Cowboys record, like with and without Tyron Smith, and it's like staggering.
0: It reminds it's, me like, the Lane Johnson Eagle stat, right? Whenever he didn't play in 2016. They lost. I think they blew all that momentum yeah. they had early in the season, and he plays the entire 2017 season. And we look look what happens, and that that path kind of repeats over the next several years.
1: Right. I mean, so you have these bookend tackles like that, a guy in Tyron Smith, is one of the you know probably will go down as one of the greatest offensive tackles of all time. You lose a guy like that, and, and look, Dallas, they, they had a lot to go out the door, man. Like this, they had a. To me, I, I don't think they had a very good off season. I think they have serious. At step the, back, why, took a step back. Yeah, no doubt. At, after, after you know, after wide receiver has been such a strength for this team for so long, you, you lose Amari Cooper, you give him to the Browns. Um, for insane trade. Yeah, they gave. Look, look what the they bounce.
0: look what the Eagles got for Chauncey Gardner Johnson and Jalen Rager, and it's yeah. pretty now. Pretty equivalent of what they just. Gave up Amari Cooper for.
1: Yeah, now wild. Michael Gallup's
0: hurt. Michael Gallup's hurt. Who I like and a then, lot. And, but, and yeah. then increasingly, Dak Prescott doesn't have as many targets to throw to now. And I think Dalton Schultz have right. the year. Ceedee Lamb is is making that jump. I think he's probably a top twenty-five, top thirty yeah, receiver good. this year. He's maybe really he ends up this year yeah. as the top twelve receiver. I could see that, especially getting all of those targets now with both Amari Cooper gone and some of the other injuries they're battling. Maybe if they're behind in some games, gotta throw. I think Dallas is gonna make the playoffs. I predicted them to. On PhillyVoice.com. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did a game by game prediction for every NFC East team. So you can Google that fill out a Philly Voice NFC East prediction 2022. I'm sure that would come up going game by game. So have Dallas at 10 and seven making the playoffs as a wild card team. um Maybe that's in a like a little bit of a hedge as someone who's, you know, wrote in a about about uh, being an anti Dallas guy over the years. <laughs> like, okay. They'll be okay and they can make the playoffs. But then I also predicted the Eagles to beat them in the wild card.
1: Right. Yeah. No. I- I'm pretty in line with you there with Dallas too. I think Dallas, look, there's still a lot of talent on that roster. They still have Dak Prescott. I mean, Dak's
0: Dak. The talent there is undeniable and you're always going to have a chance in games. If you have a quarterback who's the top, whatever, 12, 13 quarterback.
1: Right. And quite frankly, um, Washington still stinks. Um, The Giants still stink. Although I like the direction they're going with Brian Dable and all that. I love Dable. But I do think they're still going to stink this year. Um, I, I did. When we're talking about like quarterbacks that I don't understand, how have people talked themselves into Daniel Jones being good? Like, I don't, I don't, are, I don't are see Giants it.
0: fans saying that about Eagles fans? with Jalen
1: Hurts, maybe, but I, yeah. but, but at least Jalen Hurts has led the Eagles to the playoffs. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I, I, <laughs> I watched, think they're just
0: wasting a year, they're just wasting. I agree. Year.
1: I, I thought they should have targeted a quarterback or done something different, but that's, you know, me, I guess they're hoping maybe they're going to give him like the one last shot with Dable to see if Dable can do. What he did with Josh Allen, which uh, nope, <laughs> yeah, that's what I like. You see all these things like, oh,
0: this quarterback stats compared to Josh Allen's first two first two years. Yeah, year of stats. No. like he is one of the biggest outliers, if He's not the freak. biggest outlier, yeah. in terms of what he was as a prospect, even valued as a first round prospect, compared to what he was in the pros and his developmental path. We talk about that is not a linear development path in the slightest. No, so I think there's a situation there where. Oh, he's can be like Josh, no one is Josh Allen. That doesn't mean he's necessarily the best quarterback in the entire NFL, but on the developmental timeline and process, there that's a complete, complete outline.
1: Yeah, I think he's, he's not. Oh, he,
0: let's get this guy. He could just turn this guy into Josh Allen. Yeah. He could turn everyone into Josh Allen.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's not the way it works at all. And even like I see some people, and to like just to be fair and check ourselves, like I see some people make that correlation with Jalen Hurts, and it's like, and I nah, think that's dude.
0: so super. Yeah, yeah like, so
1: nah, super. man, Jalen Hurts, like. Josh Allen, be good. It has
0: nothing to do with the way Josh Allen's developed as a, a pro passer. though.
1: No, and not like, and not only that, like Josh Allen is, is he, he is like the Giannis of NFL quarterbacks. Like he is a absolute freak. There is nothing like him right now, right? Like, like there is the no one I like the comp that size, that athletic ability. And he always had that, but respectfully, he went to Wyoming. So like, I'm sure the coaching he got there and everything he got there wasn't you know up to snuff necessarily so it took him a little bit it took him some time he had to develop and the physical tools were always there respectfully with jalen hurts um i think his arm is better than people give him credit for but like i I didn't i don't see the i mean it's not even controversial to say i don't see the physical tools in jalen hurts the way i i saw them in josh allen like it's it is a freak of nature um
0: in college, yeah. in Wyoming, he was a full-time starter yes. for two years. Yes, completion percentage fifty-six point two percent. Exactly. That's disgusting,
1: right? But the reason he went, I wasn't. Was he number? Was he number one? I can't remember. No, he,
0: he was number seven. Remember. So there seven. were a couple quarterbacks. Okay.
1: So Baker went number one that year. Right, it was Baker and, went one for, and one, then Darnold
0: two. went third to the Jets that <laughs> Ooh, year. I think those were the first two QBs taking over him. Yeah. Josh Allen to Cardinals was around the. Uh maybe tenth or eleventh pick, I think.
1: Josh Rosen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I and like then, Josh Rosen coming out
1: too, but he so did I. I feel he like stinks. an idiot now.
0: Yeah. He stinks apparently. Oh. <laughs> He's been cut like seven or eight times. Yes,
1: by the Browns now too. So now you know it's bad. Um but yeah, and it's like, you know, like I already said with the NFC East, like I just I uh, respectfully I I don't see the path to the to the to the commanders being good. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I I Carson Wentz, like how many like Chances is he going to get like I actually think the Colts are going to be better now this year. I think the Colts are actually kind of team that's getting slept a little bit like Matt Ryan can still play some football. And now he's got a really good offensive line that arguably the best running back in football, some pretty good weapons, and they have a pretty good defense like that team might that team might do something this year after Carson Wentz is gone. Um
0: My take is the Jaguars are winning the division. Trevor Lawrence takes a 2017 Carson Wentz. as Doug Pearson goes down, completely changes the culture after the disastrous, uh, not even full season of Urban Meyer Uh. that just completely wasted the beginning of Trevor Lawrence's career. I think Travis Etienne is going to be the best running back Mm.
1: uh,
0: talent-wise that Doug's ever had, and some talented receiver there. They massively overpaid for Christian Kirk, but at the same time, it's probably really, really hard to get Freedons to go to Jacksonville, and you want to give Trevor Lawrence something, at least something to work with at receiver. I
1: like, I like Marvin Zay Jones, too. Like Marvin I like Zay Jones. Jones uh, yeah, Zay Jones is an interesting guy, too. He's had some success. But Marvin Jones is a guy like – he's like an old, reliable guy that I yeah. think is good for Trevor Lawrence to have, too. But, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm that bullish on them, but I do think Trevor Lawrence will take a leap this year, and I think Doug will have something to do with that. Truly, I really do believe that. I All put right, a let's...
0: small put a small MVP future bet in on Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yeah, okay. I the narrative would
0: be that If they win the division, the narrative will be there. And if they win the oh, yeah. it's it's I'm not saying it's like, oh, this team's winning twelve games. It's not a very good division. And no. the team that you think might be on the front, Indianapolis with Frank Reich. Frank Reich's only made the playoffs one time in his in his tenure in Indianapolis. And additionally, the drag somehow, some way have completely owned the Colts during the Reich era. So I'm not yeah. ready to just well, assume... Tennessee too. Tennessee's they're the weirdest one scene yeah. of all time, right? Yeah. Last year. And we were talking about the Dallas with Tannehill. Derrick Henry, how's he going to be coming back from an injury? Running yeah. backs don't just magically come better after injuries later in his career. And, you know, it could be a situation where Derrick Henry's like 2012 Adrian Peterson coming back and mm. rushing for 2,000 yards and being in the MVP conversation. That could be true. But I just think mix of schedule, uh, new flavor, new vibes. And the development of Trevor Lawrence, who I really thought was one of the best QB prospects And sometime, maybe since Andrew Luck himself. Uh, it's tantalizing for me to jump on that.
1: I like that. It's bold. It's bold, and I like it.
0: It's uh, my one I have... really
1: bold take. All everything else is chaw for me, really. But that's my <laughs> one bold. Take. Listen, I I dig it though. You got to have some bold take along the line. Um, <laughs> uh, let's switch gears a little bit here, and we'll talk some baseball because let's do it. We do have a baseball team here in Philadelphia that is still in a playoff spot um trying their hardest
0: to give it away
1: they yeah, didn't do anything to help themselves while on the west coast uh they dropped 2 out of 3 to a bad diamondbacks team then they lost then they get swept by Gabe Kapler's giants who had just lost 7 straight previously um and i think it's funny cuz when you and i talked in the first podcast we, we talked about our fears uh down the stretch and you mentioned the bullpen I mentioned the third starter, and I think we were both right. We are both right. <laughs> you we're both right. Yes. Yeah, we watched those right. games. Um, Ranger Suarez, man, really, a couple really tough outings in a row. Couldn't get out of the fourth inning. I mean, it's that's not good for a guy who's supposed to be your number three guy. Aaron Nola, who you gave credit to, and I think rightfully for having a really good year this year, but the man is struggling in Septembers, and he is I, not. I didn't want to give him credit. Oh, I really didn't want to, because I wouldn't <laughs> say I'm a hater. I don't want to say, like, I'm
0: haters of certain players, but... I really just think the hype outmatches the the quality and the the output. And he's had a good year, and I was like, you know what? I finally have to say it. I don't want to keep just digging my own grave. I think he's had a good year, and then he melts down.
1: Yeah. The best thing the Phillies have going
0: for them right now is that the Padres are also slipping in the wake of the Fernando Tatis Jr. suspension. They are currently tied for the second wildcard spot together right now, so both teams to be making the postseason as is right now. And they just – Really, right now, it doesn't feel like the Phillies deserve to make the playoffs given the last couple of weeks. I no. you know, the excitement level has been there. And I had tickets for tonight's game, Tuesday night in Philadelphia at home. First, uh, kicking off a divisional homestand against the Marlins. Rain, I'm probably not going to end up going with the rain, but that was probably going to be a dead stadium anyway if I went there. This, it's so hard to want to believe in this team yeah. if you're a fan. Why are you going to, you know, spend 125 bucks on tickets to take you and your, your, maybe your, your partner or, Couple of kids or friends, whatever it is, and then pay uh, $23 for a uh, 25 ounce beer that gets warm after three sips. Uh, what's the value there right now?
1: Yeah, no, it's tough. And it's, it's kind of like what we talked about, like that knowing thing, like where you want to believe, but there are just so many things that you can't believe. Like they're just really it, it, to watch them go out west and lose the teams. That are below 500 that they are supposed to be better than. Um, Gabe's revenge, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny though, too, I have to say this, um, because I see a lot of people doing oh man, Gabe capital. If you look back, they have been bad against the Giants since like 2013. That's so, like I
0: wrote that on Philly Voice this week. We do series recaps for every right. series, we don't do game recaps, that just really entails a lot. But what I wrote is ever since 2010. And that was the last playoff series ever, the Phillies ever won was the NLDS in 2010 They go into NLCS they lose losing six games to the Giants. The Giants going to win the world series their first at three world series titles in five years. Ever since then, I have absolutely zero <laughs> confidence the the Sixers Sixers Eagles. The Phillies will ever be <laughs> the Giants. Them. It reminds me of the Eagles and the Seahawks. Okay. Yeah, that's my cop. That's a good I'm trying one. to change up the energy. I'm putting on my Lehigh Valley iron pigs, scrapple night oh, let's like see it. if this changes things up with I my like little it. uh university of hawaii sweatshirt let's see like if this those. changes up the vibe. it's a look
1: it is a look and i dig it yeah. and i apologize to everyone uh because as you can tell my dog is alive and well because he is barking his ass off downstairs at god knows i don't even what. hear it oh uh, you don't oh it's you a have a mic what, what a microphone you have seriously because he is it was very distracting to hear him bark at something downstairs he he got a witness something but hey it's a thirsty dog drink faster podcast so you know gotta have a dog cameo would be great Um, so I guess and it, we're kind of touching on a little bit already but the Phillies just the September struggles man like it, it's, it's been a thing it's been a constant and you and I talked before that we thought maybe they could kind of change the narrative you know a guy like Kyle Schwarber who's won in other places and who kind of feels like he's changed the dynamic a little bit with Rob Thompson who's changed the the the, the feel of the clubhouse a little bit you kind of felt like, all right, maybe this stuff is all behind them. Like maybe they can move on. Then you know, Sir Anthony Dominguez is hurt. Zach Wheeler's hurt. Um Wheeler thinks uh, killing them right now. Yeah, oh absolutely. It. And the fact that Nola lays an egg, I mean that's if he if he has a great start and they win two out of three in that series, that might change the entire dynamic going forward. But alas, that's not what happens. Um and he's got a big start Tuesday night. So we'll see what he does. But yeah, I, I, do are you are are you feeling that dread? Like, do you feel like are you feeling a "here we go again" thing, or do you think this is just all right? This is a bad stretch. Now they're going to come back home, and uh, you think they can get righted, especially as they get healthy, as Wheeler comes back, as Sir Anthony comes back, as uh, um oh my god, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name, McGarry, the uh, prospect who is now yeah, get promoted. He, he, he...
0: Yeah, he might have a situation where I saw uh, Paul Boy, who does the Phillies Therapy podcast for at the athletic. He was talking about it because I don't know necessarily the ins and outs of like the CBA and roster management the way it might have in like 2010, 2011. But he could be eligible for the postseason roster if they designate a player uh, on the current 40 man roster to. Um, like a retroactive injury list thing for like sixty days. So it could be a situation. The example he gave was uh Hans Krauss. If he was able to the fans huh. were willing to put him on sort of a retroactive injury list situation, then uh Griff might be available for the postseason roster. Interesting. The comparison there for me would be and I think other people have certainly made it too was two thousand and eight David, David Price. I think yep. did we talk about that last week?
1: I don't we think so about but that. Were we that talking about was
0: maybe Andrew Painter, maybe. Obviously, he's not going to be the one that yeah. gets called up, but the hype's there for him. I'm thinking, you know, even this is how the hype was weird. Todd Zalecki, who's the Phillies order for MLB.com, not quite Dave Spadaro in terms of the, the home cooking there, but there's an element of that there. And mock criticizing the coverage. That's a great gig. It's in, it's a gig that, you know, he's probably been the most consistent Phillies writer since you know I've been following the team intently in the internet era. Anyway, he wrote an article saying, could Andrew Painter come up in September? I'm like, if like the... Internal media is running that mm. there has to be something a little. I don't think it's obviously not going to be him. I think Griff's the guy now that they went with. Yeah, but uh, I he's think he's got the stuff too. They
1: said I think they said he touched ninety nine over the weekend. Like he's he's got the goods, man. Like he 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 can bring it.
0: I got a nickname for all these young pitchers the Phillies
1: have. I like it. Let's go,
0: baby aces. I haven't heard one like that in a while. Baby aces. No, that's Ooh. what they called all the pitchers in like twenty eleven that they were prospect hoarding and none of them turned out. To yeah. be. <laughs> like Trevor, like Jesse Biddle, Trevor May, those uh, guys. I'm sure they had okay, you know, I think Trevor painful. May stuck around a little bit, but just, uh, you know, they thought they were going to go from the four aces back down to the four aces within a five-year span. Yeah.
1: That's and see, a- I even go further back because I remember when it was like Brandon Duckworth and Gavin Floyd. And like Gavin Floyd,
0: I had some hype for Gavin Floyd. Let me tell you, he was a he actually,
1: runner. he wound up being a decent pitcher. He was a decent MLB
0: pitcher. Yeah. yeah I'm like, not saying he just flamed out of pros th- all altogether. Yeah. And
1: oh man. But so, I mean, I guess, yeah. Do, do you feel like the Philly, like do you feel like it's September as usual for the Phillies or do you think they bounce out of it and, and kind of dig themselves out of this? It's not even a hole really. Cause like you, they are still in a playoff spot, but do you think the day, like, do they cling to this, or do you think that they go in and, and actually win some games and, and lock this thing up?
0: I think they cling uh, cling to it, fall ass backwards into the postseason, <laughs> but then, hey, a three-game series, if they just get hot those three games, no one can really match their bats, maybe outside of the Dodgers, who they would have to play inevitably in the playoffs, too. But uh, I think the situation there is, hey, you have Wheeler one day, Noel another day, and if the bats are there, it doesn't matter if they're all those games are on the road, and inevitably they'll go to think of as of right now, maybe St. Louis or Atlanta for that three game. So really yeah, go to St. Louis.
1: Which, thing. yeah, I don't want to. I don't want any part of uh, the Braves. I don't want any part of the Braves or the Mets, quite frankly. Uh, neither of those yeah. teams. I'm out. Uh, yeah. I'm playing either of those. <laughs> um, no. But yeah, I, 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 it's it's interesting too, because yeah, like Wheeler and Nola one two theoretically. That's pretty tough to go up against for most teams. And then even in game three, if it's Suarez, if your bullpen's fully healthy, you get a McGarry who maybe is pitching well down the stretch. You know, you, you have Knievel come back off the injured list. You have some pretty good relievers who have had good years. Alvarado, uh, Brad Hans had a good year. You could get him through. You could get Suarez through a start. You know, he, basically, you're asking him to give you five innings, right? And then you can you can, you can put together four innings after that out of the bullpen with how some of these guys have played. So I'm just going to wrap this up on some Sixers oh, stuff. Oh, we got some Uh-oh.
0: breaking, breaking Sixers news. Breaking. Uh-oh. Now. Wow, okay. Did you see it? Yes, I
1: did. Yikes. Is that a typo? <laughs> no. Oh, boy. I forgot he was six-man of the year. Yeah, I forgot about that, too. That's not... Uh, do, you, do you want to break it
0: for our listeners?
1: Yeah, sure. So the Sixers are signing Montrez Harrell to a two-year deal, uh, including a player option. Ah, man, I got to be honest with you. I'm pretty surprised by this. And not only that, I don't know where the roster spot's coming from because they don't have one. So I'm curious who is departing. Man, if I'm being totally honest. Give me me the takes. I don't like it Uh, because to me, I would like Paul Reed and and Charles Bastie deserve the crack they deserve and like from people i talked to i thought that was what was going to happen i really thought that they were going to get the they were going to get the first crack and maybe if they signed a veteran it would be you know a guy to, at the minimum who would be an insurance policy um this does not sound like that this sounds like uh a a a legit signing here and i'm really curious and now wode just corrected his uh his typo there that's
0: why right, i said it was a typo you thought i was saying typo for that day oh my god Is that a yes I, no, I did trade? i thought like you're saying like no. the,
1: the, the signing of general was a i was typo. like
0: am i gonna pronounce his name wrong that can't that's definitely not the way they spell well. no that,
1: that okay, the, the, the second way is the correct spelling i'm curious the corresponding move um i i'm gonna try to find out um the validity i mean it's, it's valid clearly but i'm trying to f- figure out the corresponding move my goodness
0: Girl, we're breaking news here
1: we're breaking news on this podcast it's wild it's sixers news of course Oh my goodness. Um. Well, that's a good note to end it on. I feel like, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Some breaking. How How many minutes do you think he plays per game this year?
1: uh, uh too many. No. Too many. Um. Well, yeah. so
0: let's let's say he he's he fine. was like he was uh, a as... six man of the year under Doc in 2020. So you know you know Doc loves his guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know. I I personally am not a fan of the move. I I would have rather see them go into the young into the season with the young guys. See what they got, but alas, alas, here we are and yeah. So, expect a lot of veteran minutes and then Doc to be really indignant about it when he's asked about. It.
0: So much for the Bebop Paul
1: uh, Victor Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, I thought and I thought he earned with the way he played in the playoffs. I really thought he earned the role, but I guess uh, I guess not. Um, All right. Well, let's wrap it up on that note, Seamus. This has been the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast, a Philadelphia sports centric podcast on SB Nation. I am your co-host, Paul Hudrick, joined by Seamus Clancy, and we will talk to you guys next time.
0: I want to plug one thing. Can we do yes, that? Plug away uh, next Thursday, September 15th, seven o'clock. At Liberty Grounds, mini golf, indoor bar, indoor mini golf bar, 1600 Westerard Ave. Both myself, my co host Zoe from the Odds and End Zones podcast on Bleeding Green Nation Radio, obviously part of the wider estimation Network. We'll be doing a live podcast there. We'll have drink specials, tons of amazing food there. You can play mini golf. And then a great, great, great Thursday night football matchup with Kansas City versus the Chargers will be going on too. So Love great football it. night leading into the Monday Night Football Eagles home opener. Uh, that upcoming monday so should love be a lot it. of juice a lot of fun if you like this podcast i'm sure you'll love coming by and, yeah and hanging out with us
1: that is a that is a great plug uh i don't have anything to plug right now uh i guess when my harold article goes up you can you can read that but that's about read it LibertyBars.com. Read LibertyBars. yeah, libertybars.com we'll have it all covered for you but until then we'll talk to you next time